You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. Broadcast from the studios inside the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Yes, the Classic Auto Mall is a real mall. Just one hour west of Philadelphia at Pennsylvania Turnpike Exit 298. Featuring nearly 1,000 classic, vintage, and barn find vehicles for sale under one climate-controlled roof. Now, here's your host, Classic Auto Mall President and the man with all the toys, Stuart Howden. It's it's amazing the technology that we have that we can have all this stuff going on. It's pretty crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm I'm impressed with our technology Are field. You? Yes. Although, you know, sometimes I don't know any better about. We talked about these iPhones and I was bitching about it last week, I guess a little bit. So, were you? I was. I, oh yeah. yeah, I complained a little bit about. It. That they, they they take amazing photo, photographs. Yeah, they do pretty good with that. It's pretty surprising, and the video ain't too shabby either. That's right. So if we go out and do car videos, should we use the, uh, the iPhone? Oh, or the that's GoPro? a good question. Yeah. I mean, people produce movies on on iPhones. They really do. I know Apple promotes it that, but right. they, they're actually being done. By the way, shots. that's next. We're going to create a movie of, oh. my, of my life. Okay. okay. <laughs> It'd be like eleven minutes long. <laughs> You getting into a picking one of your seven cars? What what is it today? To, <laughs> what am I going to drive today? To work? To work? <laughs> well, it's usually the same thing. It's the yeah. it's the SUV that, yeah. that gets the nod. I I tried to talk my wife into buying another like a almost a throwaway car. So when you're driving down the street and all that salt and mm. rock stuff are coming up mm-hmm. into your wheel wells and it's cringeworthy yep. of any car. It just makes you nuts, and and I don't understand why they put so much of that down and on the roads and all that. And I'm not going to get into too deep into that, but it's uh, it. I want to get a car that I don't care so much about, right? That we can just drive and and not worry if it gets salt or sand or snow or rain or whatever up underneath. People don't realize why don't you drive your car in the rain? It's not because of the rain falling down mm-hmm. on the car. It's the stuff that's on the road. Now it's liquid and it sprays up underneath yeah. and it gets caught in the cracks and crevices and makes it makes a mess of things. It makes a mess of things. So we don't want to make a mess of things. So anyway, welcome to the show. Show number 126, uh, recording on January 31st of 2024 to air first time, uh, February 3rd, 2024. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, have we been busy. It has been one of the busiest weeks we've had in a long, long, long time. We yeah, yeah, once that snowstorm cleared out of here, then it just... And and then, of course, Barrett-Jackson auction just ended on television. Mm. And, and not only just Barrett-Jackson, but RM and Gooding and all the others that have auctions in Scottsdale during this time. Barrett-Jackson being the most prominent, I guess you could say. You're, it's it's probably more, more watched than some of the others, because the others, you have to actually go to their website and click on their YouTube link or whatever to right. see the thing, whereas Barrett-Jackson is actually on... Uh, FYI channel, and then the finale is on History Channel. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. Did you? Did you have some? Do you not pay for the History Channel? I don't know. I don't know what we have. I told you, I got four hundred channels and nothing's on. That's Bruce Springsteen once well, saying. And you know the funny thing about that is, is there is a ton of stuff on. If you could go back and blink your eyes to nineteen sixty eight, yeah, and you could have the choices that you have today. My goodness, you'd never leave your TV. There'd be so much to that's watch. Pretty but much we're the, that's spoiled. The, pretty much the plan of the entertainment industry, by the way. Is to, I think so. That we never leave the house and we eat our our Twinkies. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, thanks to the Pat Travers Band for our uh, uh, theme music, which we love to hear every morning. It gets us going. It does. Right? It's kinda, it does. It does. It's the fuel. It's the energy. Yeah, it's the energy that we need. And um, don't forget, if you've got any questions or anything or want to know more about what we're doing here, um, classicautomall.com is our website. And uh, if you want to send a, a uh, email to the, to us here directly at the podcast, it's podcast at classicautomall.com. Right. And you can sign up for our website easily on our, I mean, for our newsletter easily on our website. So, so cars sold this week. Where did they go? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> Don't sound so engaged. Because I, I know it's a long <laughs> list coming. It's a long one coming. It's a very long one. And I'll, I'll skewer a few of these. I'm certain of that. So, uh, how about 26 cars sold we sold last week? Wow. Yeah. Uh, Wrightsville, Pennsylvania, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, Shelton, Connecticut, Media, Pennsylvania, Orville, Ohio, New Holland, Pennsylvania, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Windermere, Florida, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Abington, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Oxford, Pennsylvania, Mercerville, New Jersey, Sykesville, Maryland, Maryland, Apodaca, Netherlands. <laughs> I don't know where that is. Delavan, Wisconsin, Everett, Washington, Richmond, Texas, Forest Heights, Maryland, West Union, Ohio, Charlotte, North Carolina, Dryden, New York, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, Santa Anna, Santa Anna California, California, and Anderson, South Carolina. Good God. Is that crazy? One, two, three, but a lot four, in Pennsylvania. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, thirteen states, one extra country, and yeah. anyway, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's inc- that's incredible. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. That was some kind of code he was, he's trying to send to you. And he was, he was he'll tell you later. He was excited because of, of, of all the countries that we're, we're reaching. No, I just couldn't hear myself, I, I, and then I heard myself. Well, you know, that's part of it. Sometimes I can turn you off. I have a little switch down here that if I decide, I just want to turn you off. You know what? Bruce Springsteen once says, not to quote Bruce, Bruce again, Twice. But, but he said, if, if, if you make more than $500 a night, you're going to have more than $500 a night program right. problems. <laughs> right. All this technology... Creates that mm-hmm. bound to have bound yeah. something go oh, wrong. Yeah. Same, with the, same with the car with all the computers. Exactly. Something bound to go wrong. We got cords going everywhere and things happen. <laughs> my mic is well, and, and we're like, all right, let's start this recorder. Let's start this recorder. These mics here, this sound thing, we yeah. got the Zoom thing right. today. We got a special guest. I know you're gonna you're excited about yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're excited. all excited. Yeah, we're very excited about our special guest today. Uh, famous, famous, famous race car driver mm-hmm. who's going to be on Ooh. the show with us in segment two and three, and maybe four if he decides he wants to stick around. Okay. I certainly have plenty to talk about as usual yes i have my notes i've done my homework and uh he's i think he's probably right popped in so mm-hmm. we'll talk to him in the next segment 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 uh anyway some of the new inventory oh how many cars do we have in inventory right now um i don't know but i'm gonna guess I'm, don't I'm gonna guess get, too high because it makes me look oh, stupid 1175 no <laughs> i mean 1070 sorry thank 10, you 1075 Oh, 1069. There you go. So we've had some uh, uh, cars that have been um, uh, terminated because they needed to be repaired. And usually this is the time when people will take their cars out for a couple of weeks to repair them and to fix something and to do something that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And it's a good time for that, they think. But they could be incorrect because we sell more in January wow. than just about any other month of the year. Mm-hmm. So January and February are really good months for us. I think people are pent up at home. Thinking about spring, thinking about summer, ready to, you know, pull the trigger on something. And, and of course, this is a good time to do it. So if you're thinking about taking your car out for a repair, not, now may not be the best time. Right? Be better right in the middle of summer. Yeah, that's right. So you never know. That's so. interesting. It's counter to what people would think. Most really. people think, well, I, I can't tell you how many times we get somebody who, who calls up and says, Hey, I want to bring you my convertible, but I'm going to wait till the spring or summer. I go, it's spring or summer somewhere all the time. <laughs> you true. know, it's either Arizona or California, and we sell a lot of cars to California. Now, we didn't have but one or two one. on the list mm-hmm. this week, um, or one. 
in Santa Ana, but mm-hmm. uh, let's not forget South America and South America and and all the other country and places that we sell cars. So pickup trucks don't only sell in the fall, and convertibles don't always sell in the spring anymore. It's a it's it's a whole different world and a different animal. What's the weather like in the Netherlands right now? I have no, I don't know. No clue. Is it winter time? <laughs> is that where the volcano is, or is that Iceland? <laughs> I don't know. Please Green. stop asking questions I don't know the answer to. You can uh, well, only ask questions that you know for certain that, that I know that, what the answer is. I'm not is. a lawyer. <laughs> Lawyers only ask questions they know the answer to. Geographic questions are off limits. In the- I know that the, the RM auction is on right now, and it started okay. at 4 p.m. CET time, Central Europe time, wow. I guess. Okay. And that's 10 a.m. here. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're selling cars in Paris, and they're speaking a language I'm not familiar with. So, <laughs> so anyway, some of the new inventory in. This one is a great car. This 1968 Ford Mustang High Country Special. This thing is so cool. Built uh, as a specialty edition for uh, Colorado. Uh, which they did back in the day. They would build special editions for just certain areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is the High Country Special. It's candy apple red over red. It's got a Concours restoration. It's got its AACA Senior and Grand National wins. It's got the Deluxe Marty Report, the J-Code 302, and it's one of 251 built. Wow. And which can be a problem. Uh-huh. Because there's rare, mm-hmm. and then there's desirable. Right. And just because something's rare doesn't mean that anybody knows about it yeah. or has any idea that it even existed. True. So, but this is a really a well done car. And then, of course, the opposite to this, we have a 2008 Ford Mustang GT California Special CS, the CS, okay. and it's performance white over black and gray. Mm-hmm. This one's got twenty seven thousand actual miles. Think about that. That car is. 2008 is 12, 16 years old. Perfect. Garage queen. Garage queen. Uh, Tremec manual, uh, 4.6 liter, 3-valve V8, 27,000 original miles. And the California Special, they were going to make 5,000 of them, Mm. but for some reason they only made (laughs) 4,118. They ran out of money. They ran out of money or tires or wheels or or maybe the badges or the grill or something. I don't know. what They they ran out of something. So uh, anyway, uh, really two interesting cars. Um, another great car we just got in is the 77 Pontiac Grand Prix. This one's black on black. Have you seen this car? Of course. You're <laughs> such a bad liar. I sat in it. 61. That's, that's illegal. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Did you have a car specialist with you? Exactly. <laughs> I, I had my classic automobile shirt well, on. Well, there you go. Well, anybody could buy one of those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. By the way, we, we have a uh, we, little, we do. Right out here, we have, we have hats, little, hats and shirts there's available. There's a showcase, just like Disney World. You walk out, and you could buy a shirt on your that's way. Right. Hat. Make, make them exit through the gift shop. We used to always do that in the in the music business, yep. in the theater business back in the day. That's so. right. Anyway, the Grand Prix started. Starlight Black over Black, 61,000 original miles. It's got the 301 V8, which is, we would call the Malaise era, mm-hmm. era, which is not a whole lot of power. But, you know, it's funny. We we talk about the 301 cubic inch V8 is not much of a motor, but how about a 289 Ford motor? Mm-hmm. Or how about a 302? Those were healthy motors. So it wasn't yeah. like... You know, a 301 could be, oh, well, that's just... But for some reason, in general motors parlance, the 301 and the 305... Are considered like, eh, not, mm-hmm. not very, but then the Ford 302 or the 289 are considered, you know, high performance motors. The DZ302 might be the exception to the rule on a 69Z28. Yeah, I, right. I think cubic inches has less to do with it than compression ratios and cams and things like that. Well, think about when, uh, Ford was running in IMSA back in the day and they were taking those little four cylinders and getting like mm. 900 horsepower out of a four cylinder yeah, engine. Incredible. So, I mean, it, it, Pretty amazing. Uh, next on the list, a 72 Honda 600. Now, this is not a motorcycle. No, almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a roller skate. That's it's so cool. tiny. It's yeah. very cool, though. Blue over black, uh, 598 cc's. <laughs> 
I think that technically makes it a, a micro car, does it? I think I, the, I think the CC is anything below 750. Anything, I think 750 really cool. becomes, yeah, that. So four speed manual. Um, you know, if, and the, when this came out, a gallon of gas was 36 cents in 1972. Hmm. And, uh, then of course it went to like a dollar 19 in 1980, which was, you know, a significant jump. And now it's, I don't even know how much is gas now. Well, it's anywhere between 350 and four. Something, something like I'm that, but I'm as low as three nineteen. Actually, <laughs> could you give us that address, please, Jay? Yes, I will. <laughs> Morgan Town. By the it's way, uh, Audubon, PA. <laughs> By the way, uh, I'm doing these write ups and everything. Right. I found that uh, in 1940, milk was 54 cents, but gas was 18 cents. So milk yeah. is more expensive than gas. Now it's about the same. Okay, about four fifty. But, but people use that argument, and here's the argument, and I'll come back to you. You can't use a, a gallon of milk in a day, <laughs> much less a week. That's true. Whereas you're going to go through 10 or 15 gallons of gas in a day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm just know. saying the, the the price discrepancy right. in 1940. Now now milk and get and gas are about the same. Well, what about, about a pound of bacon? It's not even a pound anymore, and it's like ten dollars, and it's like it's like less than a pound, like three quarters of a pound. So. You got me started on this. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so. watching the clock. Don't worry. We're little piggies. <laughs> Great. Thanks. 69 Plymouth Barracuda Fastback. Scorch red over red. 340 cubic inch VA. Bumper to bumper resto. Mm-hmm. This thing is really, really cool. Those are kind of underappreciated. Um, uh, but that's a really well done car. Yeah. They're, they're making a comeback, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, I remember in my neighborhood, someone had it. Is it just a daily driver? Yeah. It was just, yeah, a, it was just a car. Crazy. Yeah. And then last but not least, the 57 Chevrolet Bel Air convertible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matador red over red and silver. Very highly optioned car, near flawless restoration. The dual quad uh, 283, three speed manual, which is unusual with a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. A lot of people built them with the two speed power glide or, or the two speed or three, or they maybe put a three speed turbo hydromatic in mm-hmm. it. But uh, yeah, they were, um, uh, you know, talk about iconic. I mean, if you talk, if you say classic car, uh, in the dictionary, you might look and there would be a picture of a 57 Bel Air. Absolutely. And they still sell well. They're not bringing the numbers that they used to bring. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw a bunch on Barrett-Jackson, and they were mostly resto mods this year. Oh, there yeah. weren't very many original. And that is the case with a lot of vehicles mm-hmm. that they were running out there, whether it's Corvettes or Bel Airs or Mustangs or, or Broncos. And, I mean, the Broncos and Blazers <laughs> were unbelievable. Still hot. Two and three hundred thousand dollars. It's incredible. They had a K10 pickup truck mm-hmm. that brought three hundred thousand wow. a pair of Jackson. I mean, hard to believe. We've got less expensive K10s here at right. Classic Auto. Although, Mall. check out our inventory. Our customers may be calling up and saying, "Hey, <laughs> I'm going to raise the price on mine a little bit." You know, so we like to go the other way. When you call us up, we like you to lower your price, right. not raise your price. So, we'll try it at any price. You know, that's what we say. We're 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 you know. We're equal, equal opportunity. Equal opportunity pricing on that. If you Excellent. tell us you think your car is worth X amount of dollars, then we'll try it for 90 days That's at right. that price. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to say, I told you. <laughs> Didn't work. Didn't work. We're going to have to lower the price a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yep. Not a lot. You don't want to lower it too much. It's incremental. As That's like right. Say, That's right. You know, so, but anyway, some of the new inventory, you can see all of it at classicautomall.com uh, on our website. And, uh, Coming up, we've got a fantastic guest who looks like he's online already. So mm-hmm. when we come back from the break, uh, we'll surprise you with uh, uh, a guest uh, via Zoom on the Classic Auto Mall podcast. We'll see you in a minute. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. 
Attention veterans, America's Web Radio has a contest just for you. We are giving away an AR-15 style weapon to a lucky veteran. If you are a veteran or active duty, you can enter for a chance to win by submitting an entry form at americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. That's americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. Please read the official rules for more information. Good luck, and thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Questions or comments, contact us at podcast at classicautomall.com. We're back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, talking to our new friend and special guest of the day, Scott Pruitt. Morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. I'm sorry to make you get up so early. We, you know, 11 o'clock for us is early. So, <laughs> well, you know, one, we're uh, West Coast time, right? But I'm a farmer, you know, having the vineyard winery. I'm up early every morning. Plus, I just got home from Daytona, so I think I'm still on East Coast time. Exciting uh, finish to the uh, 24-hour race. Penske won again. It was exciting. Roger Penske hadn't been to victory lane since the 60s, which is hard to believe. Right. Uh, and Porsche overall. And so it, it was a, it was a great show. Uh, record crowds. I was down there for Lexus uh, as I'm ambassador for them, uh, down there for Rolex, uh, same ambassador for them. Uh, as well as I did some some work with IMSA and some work with the track. So it was a busy weekend, record crowds, um, nice. great race, uh, great finish. And and more importantly, uh, it was great weather. Kind of all the way around, it was absolute fantastic weekend. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the people don't realize that northern Florida can get some snow and wind and cold. So it's not just perfect Florida weather year-round down there. What? Uh, well, you know, we <laughs> we met, Scott and I met at the uh, Simeon Museum where you were given the 2023 Spirit of uh, Competition Award uh, back this summer. And what a great place. Isn't that fantastic? It is fantastic. And um, I think even more special as a racer because you know the heritage of the cars. You know what cars they have in the museum. Overall, I think... The level of cars, the level of, of commitment that you've seen, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, the great thing about the Simeon Museum, it's basically honoring individuals who significantly shaped and impacted the world of racing. And it's been past recipients are Mario Andretti, uh, David Hobbs, uh, Hurley Haywood. Uh, Pins- Roger Pinsky, obviously, Richard Petty, Janet Guthrie. Uh, it's a real honor, and, and it's such a neat place, and it's so many people are not familiar with the Simeon Museum. And then, of course, when you take them there, they're blown away to see an as-raced Cobra Daytona just sitting there, you know, just hanging out. It was absolutely wonderful for me. Uh, and again, as a, as a racer, you appreciate these cars, and you appreciate the heritage, and, and you know what it's been like to – uh, the effort and and commitment by sponsors and teams and drivers to be able to get to victory lane right. and to have some of those achievements is is pretty special to so to see those cars over that many years. I, I just was saying, I think you know, I'm, I'm partial to that the 917 Hippie car. Oh yeah, uh, it was just such uh, such an iconic car for me personally. Not only as as you know what its what its achievement is, but also as you know Hot Wheels and yeah. and all these you know models growing up with. Uh, it was, it's, uh, there's a lot of wonderful things to see. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny. We, I read something somewhere you were talking about the difference between, uh, even the 962 and, and today's modern race cars. I mean, there's a whole lot of driver aids that you didn't have back in the day. You know, it, it's like the Ford GT when it first came out, didn't have traction control and a lot of those things in the, when the second generation, when they came out and guys bought them. Right. 
and they got out of their Ferrari with traction control and got into the Ford GT and did a 180 on the on-ramp and went, oh. <laughs> yeah. And those things tanked for a while. They were hardly, you couldn't give them away. I mean, um, the difference between yeah. a 962 and a modern-day Porsche that like one Daytona today, they're night and day difference, right? They, they are. And when you look at the difference between a 962 and a 963, which is a nomenclature, the newest one, right? they're they're night and day. You know, whether you talk about, you know, it's it's always great going back to Daytona. That's the one race I do go and do a year, not only because of my relationships with Rolex and Lexus and going there to uh, to work for them and, and talk to their customers and groups, uh, but also everybody who's anybody goes to Daytona. And right. You know, catching up with a with whether it's different manufacturers I've driven for over the years, a lot of great friends, a lot of great teams, and uh, and some of the past drivers. So this year was down there um, catching up with with a number of guys, and 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 so when you look at those cars, you know when you, when when you talk about the 962, and I raced there multiple times. My first overall IMSA prototype win came in a 962 1986 driving with Bob Wallach. Wow. You had to use a clutch every shift because of synchromesh transmission. <laughs> you had to, it's an H pattern, so right. you had to be real, you know, very deliberate on, right. on your shifts. No ABS, so you're, you're managing, uh, all the, you know, brakes and, and, and managing how much separation between the front and the rear. So you're not locking fronts nor right. you're locking rears. Uh, there was always something with the car that you had to, you had to manage. Uh, even things like the, the, the defroster, we didn't have a defroster. So <laughs> if, if it was raining, it was all, yeah, exactly. You had, you had a rag on the end of a stick that you, you know, got out there with. I love you it. You had a windshield wiper and, you know, 50% of the time after you use a windshield wiper for a while, it'd fall off. Right. <laughs> so now fast forward to modern day, the halogen headlight technology, uh, the, the paddle shift, you do not miss a shift up and down. ABS, you don't have to worry. I mean, the, the, the computers are managing that traction control and not only traction control, but also what, what you call it is, is stability control. So they're looking at the amount of traction you're getting in yaw right. and you can set that moment, uh, and you can do it turn to turn to turn to turn. You can, wow. you, we map the whole track now. Right. And so we can have this stuff integrate wherever we want. So from a driver's standpoint, what you have to manage, what you have to take care of, what you have to focus on is is significantly different and i think that is one of those arguments sure. that you have how much do you leave in the driver's hand right the technology is good especially as we go out and jump into our production car you you know anybody listening to this right now they have i'm sure some sort of a, a fun cool uh car that they enjoy driving every day that has the ability to have paddle shift and 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 you know halogen technology on the headlights and and they can even track into the turn so right. you can as the wheel turns you get the headlights to turn and look at the apexes. So sure. um, it's great technology, and I think it's 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 made the cars that we drive every day uh, so much better. But then, how much do we leave in the driver's hand exactly. when we go out and and actually go into competition? Well, well, how is it that Max Verstappen, arguably, is you know at the time or now the one of the greatest drivers that's you know driving currently, not the number one sim driver? It's some kid in his basement is is can beat him in lap times of that, which is is interesting to see that happen. It, it it is, and and I was I was one of the first guys that developed the sim together with a guy down at Sonoma Raceway. He could write code, uh, so we were able to develop stuff. Uh, and I had I showed it to Ford, I showed it to TRD, I showed it to uh, GM. And initially, their thoughts was this stuff. <laughs> what do you, this is what, this is a toy. This is a game. It's arcade. Right. One, uh, I glad it, I'm I'm glad it didn't 
catch on as early because I had that I would consider um, unfair advantage for a while. Sure. Because in developing that, I think that was one of the things that helped me uh, way into my 50s still have all the successes I did, all the winning of the races and championships at, at you know, into my late into my 50s, right. which is unheard of. Right. And now we see, you know, fast forward to where we are now, where those simulators, 10, 15 million dollar sims, and what they do, how they do it, how they're mapping the cars, how they develop the cars. Now it, it's a lot more affordable. And with all the restrictions with testing, right. they've had to come up with these these other opportunities. And and through sim now, whether they're it's driven by a manufacturer, which is, you know, tens of millions of dollars sure. or whether it's by, you know, the kid in the basement that's, <laughs> that spent five thousand, you know, ten thousand dollars on a system. And and going out and arguably doing uh, and and getting a lot of that experience. Yeah, and of course, you and I both know that r- racing on a sim and racing in real life is night and day difference. You you couldn't put the kid on the sim in a real race car, and he would probably struggle uh, to to be successful in it or to even be competitive in it. It's a different world when you've got the elements, you know, the heat, the smell, the sounds, the sun, the the guy right up on your rear. I mean, it's a whole different animal. So people don't always realize that. That, that's for sure. And it, and I can tell you right now, it does not hurt when you crash. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed. I've broke so many things over the years racing. Right. I have not broken one thing when I've crashed on my sim. My my son is gets mad at me. We have a little sim game in our basement, and I'll be drinking a glass of wine driving. And he'll go, you can't do that. And I'll go, yes, I can. I'm having fun. Of course I can. <laughs> it's my sim. It's my racetrack. I can do whatever the heck I want. Let's talk about real quickly, briefly, not briefly, but the numbers. How many overall IMSA wins have you had? Five? Is that correct? So I have, at, so at Daytona, mm-hmm. and let's just talk about the Rolex 24 hour. Yeah. Just finished it last weekend. I have raced that race 24 times. Wow. Of those 24 times, I've won it in class 10, oh, which is record. Right. Overall five, wow. which is tied with Hurley. Right. And I finished second seven times. Wow. It's crazy. So, so the question begs, that's the most important question I'm going to ask you. How many Rolex Daytonas do you have? <laughs> I have, um, well, we, we talked about that on a broadcast over the weekend. Right. And it, it's, it's kind of a shocking number, um, between, between the, the 10, the 10 wins. Right. And then Rolex sponsored the IMSA series for six years and I won five of those championships. And for winning that, you won another, uh, Rolex Daytona. Right. And then Grand Marshall and then Rolex has, uh, gave me one when I retired. Right. So I have, I, I, and I've bought, uh, I've only bought two of them, uh, of, of, I think 17. Right. Uh, all of them have something really cool on, right. on the back. Um, my recent one, is probably the most exclusive Rolex Daytona that you can buy. I, I worked with the, the Rolex people saying, you know, which one is most difficult. Right. Because of all my wins, let's make this something significant. Sure. And so it's a, it's a, a white gold with a meteorite face. And then on the back, they have Scott Pruitt winner. Um, and they have all the years oh, that I won that race. Man. So it's, it's so, pretty, um, yeah. it's pretty cool. So when you say meteorite face, you don't mean meteorite, some kind of silvery color. You mean an actual meteorite ma- material, right? 
It, it is. They're, they're not. They discontinued them. Right. Uh, I, I got one of the last ones wow. that was ever built, and yeah, it's pretty. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cool. That's pretty darn cool. Well, you know, that's always the thing that that motivated me. I always thought back when I was watching the the twenty four hours of Daytona, I was like, boy, I'd like to win that so I could get that watch. You know, that was <laughs> that was what we always thought. Of course, back then, I think when I first started watching, yeah, the, you could get a Rolex Daytona would be about. $1,200 maybe back in the yeah. day. And, yeah. and you think, oh, that's a lot of money. And of course you look back now and you think, oh my God, that's nothing. So, uh, well, congratulations to you on that. And all you win. Now, not only did, if you won at, at the day, Daytona 24, the Rolex 24, but how many IMSA wins have you had? Have you had, did I read 60 wins in IMSA? Six, 60 wins, um, nine championships in IMSA. Uh, three championships in Trans Am, but, but, uh, nine championships in IMSA. Right. Uh, which is, uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, the good Lord blessed me with an incredible career. Right. Um, 50 years of racing had, uh, driven for almost every manufacturer. Right. I've had, uh, you know, obviously with that many years of racing broke a lot of things, but, um, you know, I've just been so blessed to have such a long career right. in racing and, right. and such a successful career in racing. Um, and I just, you know, I thank the good Lord for that. I sure. mean, it's been, it's been absolutely fantastic. More classic auto mall podcast coming up. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to the classic car show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's web radio live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at America's or on demand on your favorite podcast app. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free, just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Less than two miles to go now in this 500-mile run, and Al Hunter Jr. picks the lead up again. But what about Scott? He's going to chase Al everywhere he can. He's got the draft now. Well, Scott Pruitt may have the advantage coming to the final turns. Did he move too quick? Did he move too soon? He still they got continue a... side by side. Al Unser Jr. and Scott Pruitt come to the line. And Pruitt's got him. Scott Pruitt takes the win. Oh! One of the best races I've seen. Scott Pruitt scores his first IndyCar win. The 36 for his owner, Pat Patrick. And the third Michigan 500 win. Fabulous race. That is... The adrenaline going through you at that moment must have been. I know you talk about this a lot and have talked about this a lot, but you know it's interesting because I, I watched it recently and the announcer second guessed your your early move when you were coming around little Al and and you just did it. You you knew the timing was right. It was one of those where you had a good feel of your car. You you your desire out outshined <laughs> anything else right. and and your tenacity. And so I had just because of the draft, because you knew that I knew that that little Al was going to pass me. So he passed me under the white flag. We went in and turn one. And in my mind, I know exactly what I would do if somebody's behind me. So that's why I figured little Al would do. 
So as we go down the back straight, he's trying to shake me loose. So you see these guys weaving like this. Yeah. That means they're trying to break the draft as much as they can. And so I fake down to the left, the inside. I know he's going to counter. So he does that. As soon as he counters, I already have a bit of a run. And I go right up onto his corner because I knew my car worked really good on the high side, three right. and four. Right. And so for me, it was checkers or wreckers. Either I was going to crash <laughs> checkers or I was going to come out on top. And fortunately, it was the latter of the two. And it's still this day one of the closest finishes in uh, IndyCar history. Oh man, it was so it's so fantastic to watch that and to to see that happen. And of course, those those Penske cars were those Mercedes powered. Then was that or is that earlier that they were Mercedes powered? That that was earlier. Okay, um, yeah. but but they were still. Oh my gosh! You know the Penske organization is fantastic, and uh, when you, when you're competing with whether it was Little Al or Emerson or whoever was driving for Roger, Danny Sullivan, when I first stepped in, uh, you know, arguably one of the best teams year over year in the industry still to this day. Sure, it, it never comes easy, no. and if you can beat them, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty sweet. That picture of Roger sitting at that big table with all those eighteen now it's was it eighteen or nineteen Indy five hundred win trophies? My God, yeah, that's impressive. That's crazy. That'll give you a little goosebumps, won't it? It rates as one of the highest rated uh, Indy car races uh, for viewership. Uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I remember it back in the day and I don't remember many races. You know, I'm not like, you know, I, I, I guess there's, you probably remember, can remember details of most every race that you ran in. And if you're a spectator, you don't always remember the details like you do, uh, if you were participating in it, but it was so exciting to watch. And of course, and Lil Al was, I mean, he was four, there was three or four cars in between you guys there coming down. And he's thinking, Oh, he's going to walk away with this. And boy, he had some power that day. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, you look back at those great races, you know, whether it was all the wins at Daytona, winning at Watkins Glen, winning at Le Mans, uh, and especially, you know, winning at Le Mans with Corvette, yeah. with the factory Corvette program, the first win that they've had, that they ever had at Le Mans, being right. part of that, uh, racing down in Australia, winning down there, up in Canada at these great iconic racetracks. And so you, you look back now, like, have retired and, and a lot of people ask me, what's my favorite race? What's my favorite win? What's sure. my favorite car? What's it? You know, all those, all those questions. And looking back, I've just been again, just so blessed to sure. get to race all those great tracks and win. The only, the only place that I have this love hate relationship is Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Right. Yeah. I've raced Indy cars there. I race NASCAR there. Right. I race sports cars there. I've got uh, a few second places, and that's the like one of the only tracks I didn't get to victory lane. Wow, wow, that's an, that's hard to believe, isn't it? and that's one. Were you was it your goal to be great at Indy, or was that just another cog in the wheel, if you will? Oh yeah, Wh- whatever I was doing at the time, I wanted to be the best. Sure. So ten years of Indy cars, uh, doing sports cars, you know, so you could go race at Daytona, race at Sebring and and still do the full IndyCar series. So that's how a lot of these guys, you look at the race over the weekend, you had Formula One guys there. You had, sure. well, Formula One drivers and IndyCar drivers and NASCAR drivers and and uh, all the great sports car drivers from around the world that want to come participate. And that is, you know, arguably Daytona kicks off everything for motorsports every year. Absolutely. And it gives the opportunity because, you they, you know, for the most part now, you have four drivers for, for every team. So as a driver, that is that race you want to go race. 
And if you get to Victory Lane, guess what you get? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you get a nice kiss from a pretty girl and a Rolex watch, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, forget the girl. It's all about the watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take the watch any day over that. Um, so in, in open wheel racing, you know, obviously at a whole different animal, you can't rub up against somebody quite like you can in NASCAR or in even sports cars, which you don't see as much, obviously. But is, is open wheel racing that much more difficult or is it basically all pretty much the same? Well, every car I've ever raced is, is, Difficult and challenging in its own way. So when, when people say, you know, what's your favorite car to drive? What was your favorite series? I said, I love them all. I said, for going fast, there was nothing like driving an Indy car. Right. And I remember, and maybe you remember as well. So through the nineties, mid nineties, my, where my era was, you had tire wars, you had chassis wars, and you had engine wars. Right. Which meant you had really sticky tires. (laughs) You had, continually new upgrades, updates for the chassis that had more downforce and less drag. And, and, and then every race you had new engines right. that had more horsepower and we were turning the engines to, um, now these are just overhead cam, uh, <coughs> V8, uh, about three, I think they're three, 3.2 liter. And we were turning them to, uh, Eighteen and a half thousand RPM. How's that even possible? And so we had a qualifying engine. I know we had we had a practice engine, a qualifying engine that was literally good for you know fifteen laps. Sure. And then we had the race engine. We got around so Phoenix. We get around uh, one mile oval, and we get around that thing in nineteen about nineteen just under twenty seconds. So like nineteen point eight. We'd roll into turn one about. 212 miles an hour going through one, two, and then we were, you never actually had to lift in three and four. And we were pulling five G's lateral, wow. a true five, five wow. G's lateral. Wow. Now, how do you put that in perspective? <laughs> the highest performing cars on the road today, you think of what are those best cars sure. and that best performance? It's slightly over one G. Absolute best. So wow. multiply that by five. <laughs> yeah. So I, I read something interesting. Pretty that you, crazy. Yeah. Something interesting you said is that in a Trans Am car, you could break at marker four or five. In a Formula One car, you can go past marker one and break and still be in good shape to make the turn. Is that true? Is that really that much difference in the braking? It is. And it, and, it, and a lot of that's physics. When you when you look at how much downforce you generate and 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 the tires, um, and there, there, there probably isn't that much differential now, but right. in days gone by, there was that much differential. And it's just when I went and tested, um, so it was in the late eighties, I went to Europe, uh, tested with the, the Lola factory teams, Gerard Lurus. And when you've gone from a, you know, arguably in those days, I think we are about 2,500 pounds. Right. And then you get into a 1,200 pound. And you're producing 5,000 pounds of downforce and you have carbon fiber brakes and the tires are bigger. All those things let you be a lot more aggressive. Sure. Not only how deep you get into the brake zone, but how car fast the cars react. And then when you can tip right back into the throttle. Sure. It's, it's amazing to watch the Formula One drivers nowadays, how fast and how late they go in and break. And then, and then even then there'll be a guy who goes even further and deeper in and the one guy's breaking and the other guy's still yeah. not touched his brakes on it. And of course they have those trickery little brake lights in the back that, you know, you think they're breaking and they're not. That's a psychological thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know what they're up to. Well, it all goes back to a lot of that. 
when you when you get around a Formula One car now, they're huge. I mean, right. they're they're really big, right. and they're almost. You look at Monaco, and the cars, in my view, are too. And you can even talk to the drivers. Sure. Um, they're too big. Right. I mean, they're too big for the track that that they race at Monaco years and years and years. Sure. And when you stand next to them, so they've moved from twelve hundred pounds, and they're almost two thousand pounds now. So right. It's a big difference, uh, and, the, and the, again, arguably, we talked about this earlier on, how much of that technology is driven by the team and setting the car up and how they change things with the car, all driven through computers, and then how much do we leave in a driver's hand? There's always going to be that, sure. I think, that that argument, figuring out which, which I always think, put it in driver's hand. Cream's always going to rise to the top. Absolutely. So. If you have any questions or comments, contact us at ClassicAutomall.com. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free, just remember to bring comfortable shoes. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. From the Classic Auto Mall, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. Who, when you were growing up, who was the drivers that you were watching and loving and paying attention to? Uh, Mario, yeah. um, Lauda, uh, you know, I think, you know, I tell everybody my all time, you know, hero was, was, uh, Dan Gurney. Uh, I had the chance to, when I was a kid, just trying to make my way up, spend some, you know, get his autograph, right. spend some time with him. He was great to visit. And, and I mean, even, you know, in that era when he's racing and, uh, I saw him at, uh, I think Laguna Seca. And for him to spend a little bit of time with a go-kart driver, <laughs> this little kid just trying to make his way up. Sure. He made, and not all drivers would do that. Right. I got to tell you, when I met Lauda, it was okay. When I met Mario for the first time. Sure. But, but when I met Dan for the first time, uh, it was absolutely the time he spent and what he did. You know, he, again, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, all those yeah. different things that he did. I was hopeful just to emulate just a little of what he did on the track, but also off the track. Sure. Yeah, being a good person. I mean, I'll never forget. I ran into Roger Penske coming out of the bathroom at the Detroit Auto Show, and he stopped and talked to me for 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, just yeah. I'm just nobody. I'm just some guy who's walking out of the bathroom at the same time he is. And we had this nice conversation, and he was very cordial and humble and nice. And it's like refreshing that somebody who you kind of look up to uh, is acts like they're normal. <laughs> Yeah, he, you know, I, I sent him and, and this is, this is the guy, right? So one, I don't person motor speedway and will preserve 
where it's going, not not just the speedway, but upgrading it to the level that Penske wants it to be. Sure. So we we're there last year. We're doing a Lexus performance driving school, and you felt like Lexus owned the track. All all the every monitor had Lexus on it. The track was all laid out, and they put Lexus multiple places. The way they treated us, the way they took care of us. And so I got on and I texted Roger. Hey, Roger, really appreciate what your team is doing here. The track is fantastic. Uh, the facility is fantastic. You're making us feel absolutely like there's no other car manufacturer right. here. It's right. all about us. And so I sent that off to him. And within three minutes, I get a note back from him. Wow. Scott, great hearing from you. you thank you for the note. We, we're, we're trying hard to make Indianapolis Motor Speedway the way it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, who else? But that's how Roger is. That's that guy. Who else could have bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway other than him, right? I mean, if you want it to go in good hands, it's like when you get rid of a dog. You want to make sure it goes to a good family, you know? (laughs) I think Roger's good family for the uh, Indy 500. So um, do you still watch racing on TV at all, or are you too busy doing your winery thing? Well, I'll watch races. I watch them probably more because of my relationship with Lexus. I pay attention to what they're doing, how they qualify. I have a lot of friends out there, so I'm continually watching them, like sure. Scott Dixon and, and, and Alex Blow and and uh, where it's on the IndyCar side, NASCAR side, sports car side, whoever. I'm watching those guys all the time. And but I don't watch sit and watch a race. Right. You know, I'll I'll watch it on my phone or sure. watch it on my computer. I'll see what's going on and then I'll see the results. And and um because I, I'm I'm telling you, man, I'm it's it's hard <laughs> to want to get behind the wheel again. Um it's tempting. I right. mean, I talked 50 years and I've been so blessed with, with that. Kind of like an alcoholic not taking his next drink. I don't want to get sucked back into that rabbit hole. Yeah. Because right. you wouldn't do just one race. Oh, well, I'll just do this race and maybe this. And yeah. pretty soon you're sucked back in. And, but also my adrenaline level goes up and just being at Daytona over the weekend. Sure. They say, you know, just everybody's on the grid and all the excitement and then gentlemen start and I start breaking out in sweat and my heart race is racing. And Heck yeah. So when you got to blow- Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. I'll take it. I'll take it. Coach, let me in. Uh, so when you want to blow the cobwebs out, what do you go jump in now? What do you have sitting around the house that you go get in and just go haul ass around California? Well, I think one, um, I'm so- Excited to have the relationship with Lexus. So I host all the Lexus performance driving school. So we do, we do, we do road Atlanta. We do Sonoma. We, we do road America. We do Watkins Glen. We do Coda. We do Indianapolis. And so believe me, I'm, you know, I'm spending some time behind the wheel Good. developing those cars and making sure they're set up just right are getting my own adrenaline fix. <laughs> probably the latter. Yeah. I hear you. Um, and then I also help, uh, develop. Uh, help Lexus develop new product coming. So that opportunity to legally speed, right. uh, and get my, and get my adrenaline fix has been great with, with that relationship with Lexus. And then I have some old cars. I, you know, I have, I, I'm an old rod guy. So right. I got, you know, a 55 Chevy Pro Street. I got a 60 Caddy convertible. I have a 67 VW van all redone, four wheel disc brakes, uh, 2300 CC engine in it. So it nice. goes over. 50 miles an hour, uh, you can roll down the freeway pretty well. Um, I just bought a new, um, I don't know if you heard of the Toyota Corolla GR. Yeah. Um, the, it's a, it's rod rally car. Um, 
pretty much like, you know, that, you know, competitor, everybody has all wheel drive and a lot of horsepower and fun to drive and, sure. and all the latest, greatest, you know, control systems on being bought and fun. So, uh, not that I would ever speed illegally. No, I just I want to say that. I understand. Give that qualifier right. <laughs> so were you involved in the uh, LFA? I was. So back, um, so I launched ISF, which was the first ever performance vehicle from from Lexus. That was a little smaller. Uh, right yeah. behind that yeah. was the LFA. Yeah, yeah. So the LFA came next. Still, the, the only true Japanese supercar to right. date. Right. And <clears throat> spent a bunch of time with with uh, the engineer, designer engineer, which was uh, Naruse San. Unfortunately, he was killed at Nurburgring. Oh wow! Uh, shortly after uh, we launched uh, LFA. And it's been amazing. Like when we first came out with that car, and it was probably because it was Japanese and it was Lexus. Nobody gave it the respect yeah. that it deserved because it was it was absolute. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I I drove it hard. I gave very fast rides. Everybody who went for a ride, I did a we did a program on the oval at um, at Las Vegas, and. Every person who went for a ride with me joined the over 185 mile an hour club. <laughs> and, um, and this is just a stock, stock Lexus, right? right? Just right. out of the, out of the pits, down the back straight, through three and four, by the, you know, by the start finish, one, two, and then into the pits. So it wasn't a very long lap. Sure. Just one after another, after another, after <laughs> another. And now you see in all the auctions and all the sales of what's happening with LFA. I think one just sold over the uh, uh, Nurburgring sold for 1.8, million, something like that. One point eight million, and in 2012, I remember in Fort Lauderdale, the one sold for three hundred twelve thousand dollars, and they struggled to get that for it. Right. So right. You know, yeah. So it's good. I knew that car was special. Uh, my only disappointment is I didn't buy one, <laughs> <laughs> or you didn't get given one. You should. I think that they, I'm, somebody should call them and say, "Hey, he should have had one, and now you need to give him one now." So, um, do you? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the future of cars look like? Are they are internal combustion engines gone, whether we like it or not? Well, Stuart, that's a that's that's the thousand dollar question, and I think we all have our own view. What is my view? No. I think I think the electrification from the start I didn't agree with. I don't agree with. Right. I think it I think what everybody wants to believe, this carbon footprint, when you really peel back the onion mm-hmm. and you look from mining lithium and cobalt and all these semi precious metals that have to go into a battery and you really look at what that looks like. You look at the weight of a battery you look at the length and life of a battery you look what happens to a battery if you get into an accident and how much it costs to get have to get the whole thing replaced because it doesn't work anymore you look at the challenges of what we saw in chicago earlier this year where batteries don't charge and cars die and are sitting alongside the road and you can't do anything with them you look at the infrastructure needed for all these all these charging stations, where where are they going to come from? And who's going to put all that money in it? And where's the power going to come from? Right. A lot of it comes from natural gas. A lot right. of it comes from coal. So I think I I think I'm not going to say electrification is a fad. I don't see that. I love hybrid. Sure. So what we're seeing at, with you get something for nothing. You have a small battery pack. You're using the brake and 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 coasting as this absolutely. opportunity to recharge. Yeah, absolutely e- easy. I mean, it's it's Perfect. You look at the carbon footprint to build 
a hybrid and you can build 90 hybrids for one of full electric. Right. And that was a study that, that, uh, Toyota did actually. Right. And I think there's some, there's some opportunity out there with synthetic fuel. I think there's opportunity out there with hydrogen. I sure. like hydrogen a lot. Yep. What you're seeing with manufacturers. Right. They're, well, they're moving away from full electrification. For sure. Already. If you actually yeah. go and you talk to Mercedes and you talk to Porsche and you talk to these other, the, you know, whoever manufacturer that you like and really ask them how many full electric cars they're selling. And if they gave me an honest answer, they say, not as many as we want. Yeah. And we, and we're trying to figure out how to sell them because we can't. Yeah. You know, people literally think that batteries make power. Like somehow a battery makes power and it doesn't require an external source to make the power that gives it the power. Batteries are just holders of power. So, you know, people are confused by that and people just read headlines right. anyway. So, uh, right. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, one of my favorite sayings, it's like, whatever. Oh, I hate that word, but it's so true and it's so appropriate sometimes. <laughs> so how's the wine business going? We were, I, I got to say, we were at, when we were at Simeon and we're sampling your wines, you and I were sampling, I remember standing there uh, with you and you were telling me about the process. Man, oh man, you produce some great stuff. This is not just, you know, box wine. This is some serious wine. So thank, thank you. Um, <laughs> and the difference is, you know, for, so you have all these athletes, whether it's drivers, football players, tennis players, golfers who've gotten involved in the wine business. And it's more that they have their name on the label. There's very, very few of us that actually know the process, let alone do the process. And I'm, I'm that guy. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm the winemaker. I'm the guy in the vineyard. I'm the, you know, seller rat. And arguably, our business, the main critic and most respected critic called Wine Spectator, we've been tied for the highest rated Syrah in all of California multiple times. We were tied um, for the third highest rated Syrah in the world by Wine Spectator. Wow. Uh, in 2012, 2014. And so not only are we... It's unique that I'm making this wine, but also that we've been able to achieve these accolades, which has been far beyond m my expectations. Sure. So the name of the vineyard's Pruitt Vineyard, you know, original, right? right. <laughs> and, but it's a good name. Um, Pruitt's a good wine type <laughs> name. For some reason, it works well. That's right. <laughs> and we're very small. We only make five to 600 cases a year. And uh, if, if anybody's interested, it's PruittVineyard.com or ScottPruitt.com. Either way, they'll, they'll track you down there. Um, we have, you know, small wine club. We have three bottles three times a year, a mixed case. We sell out everything we make. And for instance, like at the Rolex dinner that we have Friday night, very exclusive, very high-end Rolex dinner. Right. Uh, they're serving our wines to some of the best in the industry. Wow. And whether it's the, the president of Porsche or the president of Ferrari, and they say, one, we love your wine. And two, how do we get your wine? Wow. So it's, um, it just made it feel good. And, and I love being it. I love doing it. Um, I, I looked to get a little bit bigger at one point, but it was, it was too much work and I would have had hire people. Yeah. And that's different. I, I don't want to do that. Right. So we're five, 600 cases a year. It's my wife and I. That's what we do. Well, that's we love sharing it with friends. Oh, it was fantastic. Of course, that's what we, happened here is we got so big and grew so fast, and now we have a thousand over a thousand cars for sale in the building. And it's like, man, I remember the good old days when it was just me and my wife, and we cleaned them, and we took the pictures, and we did all the legwork and everything, and answered all the calls. And now it's just a big business. Now it's not it's not it's not fun car business like what we started out doing. Yeah, 
Well, I was listening to you before I came on, and uh, I mean, that's like, I'd be like a kid in a candy store. I'm kind of looking for something really special. So if something comes to it, don't put it online. Just give me a call. You <laughs> know do, that, you know, that special little, that will, special car is coming in. I will absolutely do that. And when just you, between us, yeah, okay? just, just me and you, nobody's going to see this. So we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you got to come see us next time you're in this part of the world. Please come call me and come see us because we'd love to give you the nickel tour. And uh, I'm coming to visit you in California because I've never, yeah. I've never been to a winery where I actually knew the person that was in charge. <laughs> well, we'll we'll absolutely would love to all have you come for a visit. Uh, California is not a not a bad place to go walk through the vineyards and drink a little wine. And absolutely, this year that's on my bucket list. I'm going to come come visit you guys because not only the friendship, but also getting opportunity to see your cars and and see what you have in building. And I, I'm a car guy. I yeah. love car guys. My from my dad was a car guy, grandfather car guy. Um, the only the only problem is I'm not sure I have enough money to buy uh, <laughs> buy as much as I want to buy when I come visit you. That's my problem as well too. Hey Scott, so great to have you on. Thanks so much for everything. We'll talk. Talk to you soon, Scott. Scott Pruitt. I'll, I'll come visit. I've, I'll come visit. Please do. Thank you. Thanks again. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. There was so much more that I wanted to ask him about. Sure. And so we'll make a new list, and then we'll have him on again. Excellent. We'll catch you next time on the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. You've been listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast with your host, Stuart Howden, executive producer, Steve Safir, produced and engineered by yours truly, J.R. Russ. Thanks for listening and sharing the Classic Auto Mall Podcast, available on ClassicAutoMall.com, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questions, answers, or comments? Write us at podcast at ClassicAutoMall.com. And if you want to talk about buying a classic car seen on our website, you're looking for a particular vehicle or want to consign your classic for sale, write us at info at classicautomall.com or call and talk to a real live classic car specialist at 888-227-0914. That's 888-227-0914. Music courtesy of the Pat Travers Band. For tour dates, contact, and stuff, visit pattravers.com. The Classic Auto Mall Podcast is produced by CarSmarts Media, copyright, all rights reserved. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.